From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Friday, October 30th, 2020. With Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from callers. So, Dr. Corin, that it's been a huge week here in Mendocino County. You are celebrating by wearing a red Hawaiian shirt. We've made it to that, the red tier. That's right. <laughs> why don't that's you right. uh, let KZYX listeners know why you're so excited? Well, un, unexpected by us, our county did achieve the red tier status. Uh, we were told on Wednesday, and we've been I've been celebrating ever since. <laughs> No, it's it's a great thing for our community, and and as I said before on our uh, our recording, it's a testament to to the uh, the real work of our community members. It's been a long haul, it's been very difficult, and uh, I'm so happy that people have have done it. Uh, it's learning completely new de- behaviors. There's been you know a little bit of griping, but by and large, people have pulled uh, pulled together and are, are doing a great job. Um, we do have the future to look forward to, and it's not time to let our guard down. So I'll, I'll stop there and take any other questions. Yeah, well, previous to this tier system, there was a watch list system. And at some point, the county and the state disagreed about whether or not Mendocino County belonged on that watch list. In this case, uh, you're saying you were surprised that we switched to the red tier, but I don't think in this case there's a disagreement, right? You also believe, and our numbers show here in Mendocino County, that we belong in that red tier. Yes. No, we've been we've been doing very well. Um, there were there were some days that showed up purple on our schedule, but the um, but the the state does not just assign us a tier based on our our case rate with a seven day average and seven day lag. It also takes into consideration um, the amount of testing that we do and our case positivity rate, our test positivity rate, and we were excelling in that. And so when they looked at the data, and I couldn't do this, um, they looked at the data and they did the multiplier and they came and they awarded us the red tier status. All right. And of course, the red tier status triggers a lot of changes in terms of relaxation of some of the shelter in place restrictions that we've been living with. You did. You mentioned that we've been very, very locked down for a long time. It doesn't really feel that way to me, to be honest. I mean, life is different. It's lonelier. You know, we don't get to go and see concerts or go to eat in restaurants or uh, go, um, you know, in, in big groups or have parties or anything like that. But you can do most of the stuff. You know, you can go shopping and you can uh, go recreate outside and I mean the biggest thing I think is that kids can't go to school Uh, and so how does this really significantly change our lives now that we're in the red tier well let's take a look at the actual different industries for one thing people can go and worship indoors there's a limit of 25% capacity or 100 whichever is less Restaurants are now going to be open, 25% capacity or 100 uh, people, whichever is less. Retail stores can increase their capacity to 50%. Uh, Personal care has been open. Movie theaters can begin to open. Uh, Fitness centers and gyms are able to be open indoors now. And that includes in hotels and lodgings. And the other thing that I think is very significant is that people in our uh, skilled nursing facilities and acute care hospitals can have inside 
visitation. Now that has to be, uh, um, um, I have to say that that's being planned and it has to be done in certain ways and the hospitals and nursing homes are definitely preparing for it. Uh, but that's a capability at this point while we're in the red tier and very important because these people are very, just as you said, the, the students and the young people can't get together for someone who's sitting in a hospital room and they haven't seen people for a long time. It's terrible. It's very, very, very difficult. And I wouldn't play it down for other people in the community either who are used to being more active, more socializing, uh, going to parties, going to theaters and, and stuff like that. It's been a long haul and it could turn back to purple. But I think that we're red. Uh, we should be happy. You know? So the students are able to go back to school as the schools open. And that happens after we've been on the red tier for a full two weeks. So although we're in the red tier and these other uh, places can open a little bit, the schools won't be open until the earliest of November 11th. That's when they would qualify. And that's a holiday, so it'd probably be the next day. And um, I should say that the schools have to do their planning to be able to do it safely. Uh, we want it to be safe for the teachers and staff as well as the students and their family. And so it's going to be a slow, gradual reopening. Uh, we do want them to open while we're in the red, because if we do turn back to purple, it's going to be more difficult uh, for them to get open. But if we turn back to purple and they're open, uh, they won't be penalized and they won't necessarily close. What it's, about, it's only, is that for all grades? Because I, I know no, before that it was... State, no, the kindergarten through sixth grade, many, I think now it's 11 of them, have been given waivers. Uh, and uh, the last one was just, we submitted it this week. Um, but no, for the littlest kids who really need that sort of social interaction uh, and, and personal training, uh, in-person training, it was very important to get them into school. And, you know, statewide, there have not been huge numbers of outbreaks. We've had a couple of daycare you know, centers who had some outbreaks and we've been able to contain them. Uh, the people who run them are very responsible and they have reported to us and closed down their, their places and made sure everybody was tested and waited the appropriate time. Uh, we just had a uh, situation like that in Fort Bragg and did a bunch of testing and the, uh, the owner of that daycare center actually closed it down, cleaned everything up and won't open until people's quarantines uh, are completed. You're still waiting for the results of the outbreak testing in that situation. No. Right. Well, but what about uh, kids uh, from grade seven to twelve? Are they just going to stay status quo with remote learning? They have been doing remote learning, except for specialized education, where some of them need to come into the schools, and that's been a controlled environment. It's you know uh, they've had certain kinds. Some people need physical therapy or speech therapy. There are some language. Uh, 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 teaching that had to happen in person. So some people, even in those age groups, have been able to go into in-person uh, learning. Some people didn't have access to the internet uh, to, to do distance learning. And so we accommodated all those people. But the others who are your, you know, your usual students um, have been doing at-home uh, distance learning. And not all of them have been very successful. And that's the problem. So, but those uh, under the red tier, can those grades start talking about reopening for in-person instruction? Too? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's it's all problem. from preschool all the way up through 12th grade. Yeah. Yes. 
All right. Well, I'm sure we'll be having lots of conversations about that in the next couple of weeks. Um, What do we have to do to get to the orange tier? Now I'm getting greedy. I'm already looking ahead. Yeah, you sure are. Going to the orange tier. We have to get our case rate, seven-day average, uh, seven-day lag, same as this, to under four, between two and four. And the the, uh, the test positivity rate has to be in the range of 2%. Is that right? Do you have it in front of you, Becky? Yeah, 2% or less. So it's it's another jump. Uh, but if we're on the same, you know, if people are, are learning to change their behaviors and, and we're winding down some of these outbreaks, the dangers up ahead is cold weather. People want to be inside. Holidays, well, people want to gather with the family. You know, we have the influenza season coming up. And it's cold weather. And that's when these things spread. So, you know, we've got a lot of advice around that. All right. And it's they're powerful tools. The advice works. And if people follow it, we may be able to get to the orange. And then you'll be wearing yes. an orange Hawaiian shirt, maybe. Um, I'm looking. <laughs> listen, I've been thinking a lot about the vaccine. Um, as we, so I'm really looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to the orange, and then I'm looking ahead to the point where we all get to get vaccinated and, and move on with our lives. Um, I know that people uh, are currently encouraged to get a flu shot now and that the county public health is providing some flu shot clinics Uh, i wonder about the county's capacity and the work that you're doing now if you're if you're starting now to think about vaccine delivery um how the vaccine is going to get to all the residents of mendocino county and is this flu shot effort a kind of a preview of that or are you thinking about um a, a much more substantial and robust campaign to get everybody vaccinated when when that happens or am i just too early am i just being too hopeful no i i think we're all hoping and expecting and the sooner it can come the better it will be uh we do have our issues with people getting vaccinated and influenza is a very very important thing to get let's start with that first um people are concerned in in various parts of the county and parts of the country about any vaccines and i can just say that you know, we've used vaccines. It's been one of the big breakthroughs in medical history in the last hundred years. We've overcome things like polio and meningitis and hepatitis and even cervical cancer, um, diphtheria, whooping cough. We've had incredible successes. Are there some side effects, some deaths even from these? Unfortunately, yes, there are. But those cases are absolutely minuscule compared to the lives and the disability that's avoided, you know, the, the lives that are saved and the disability that's avoided, we hardly ever see a person with polio. And when we see a person with polio now, it's usually from someone who has not gotten their vaccines. So getting over the flu shots this season and getting everybody a flu shot is extremely important. That's our first challenge. Let's not ignore that. Let's really emphasize that that's important. We've made it uh, mandatory for hospitals and um, nursing homes uh, to make it mandatory for their for their staff to get influenza shots. And if they can't, then they use a mask. Um, we are really suggesting that all you know healthcare providers do the same thing themselves and with their staff because it's the vulnerable people who will suffer the most, and those are the people who are going into doctors' offices. So flu shots is very important. Let's let's keep keep on that. As far as the other vaccinations, there are, as I can understand it, four in the pipeline for the United States 
Uh, I've read recently that China's already giving some vaccines and Russia's starting to give vaccines. We don't know what their quality control or anything else is at this point, uh, so I certainly don't. But as far as the United States, we're looking about four that are in the pipeline and uh, two that are very close. Um, one of them is going to be a real challenge to distribute because at this point, the formulation requires 70 degrees centigrade below zero uh, to hold it. So they're looking at uh, dry ice and specialized equipment that's usually in research labs or, or other kinds of things. But they may reformulate that and figure out some other way between now and when it has to be distributed. So, you know, from the point of view of public health, we're all thinking about how are we going to have the clinics? How are we going to distribute it? But also, um, what? And, and so we're actually uh, developing plans for that. And it will be something that will be a mass vaccination. I don't know if you remember, but I remember um, when we did the um, what was it? it was a polio vaccine. We all went into the gym and we got this uh, little drops on our tongue, and uh, and and a whole community was was vaccinated in just a few weeks. Um, and we're thinking in those kinds of terms. We're trying to figure out how to do it in that. Um, but the uh, the specifics and how it'll be transported and how people will do it, we don't have that information yet. Our expectation, what I've heard recently, is that we may actually start to be vaccinating this coming spring, which is an incredible record I never would have believed, you know, even even a few months ago. But I'm hearing this stuff on, you know, on calls with the uh, California Department of Public Health. It's making me be a believer. Yes, they may roll out something. Um, but really, even if that's fantastic and the distribution goes well, it probably won't be until 2022 that we'll have significant levels of, immuniz of immunization. Um, and then the other thing to think about is if we have a vaccine, how effective is it? Is it 70% effective? Is it 90% effective? Is it 35% effective? These are, these are uh, standard efficacy rates for other vaccines that we've had. Um, and then if it's effective, does a person need a booster shot? How long does it last? Does it only last six months? They need a booster shot at that point. So there's a lot of questions still need to be answered, and that's all in, in the hands of, you know, research and so forth. Yeah, it's just the all of that and the basic capacity of our county to pull this off. That That's what I've been thinking about is you guys must be really uh, – thinking about the plans and had this kind of world war ii effort of you know every all hands on deck getting like the little just like the lines i i hope we can all gather in our in our um i we can't gather though but it would be amazing to be able to just line up and have you know thousands of us whole communities getting <laughs> getting vaccinated and actually achieving real herd immunity <laughs> instead of the the, the kind the that kills a bunch of people take quite a bit longer but herd immunity would be a goal. Don't forget we have medical providers who could do this. We have emergency medical service providers who can do it. So we can get it organized if they can get us the material. It's like that scene at the end of Star Wars when the second Death Star has been exploded and everybody's dancing in the streets on every planet. Right. Yeah, a little Gen X reference there. But anyway, let's go ahead and open up the phone lines. It's 707-895-2448. You're on the air live with Dr. Andy Corrin. He's our public health officer here in Mendocino County and graciously joins us every Friday afternoon from 3 to 3.30 to get us up to speed on how Mendocino County is handling the coronavirus pandemic. And we have our first call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. I'd like to ask Dr. Corrin to consider, I was on a walk 
the other day, and I came across someone without a mask, and he informed me that he didn't need a mask because he was outside. And I realized that most of the infection has been inside, but I would like Dr. Corrin to address that. Thank you. It's a good question. And we want people to wear masks everywhere if they can, but if they, if they don't feel that they can and they're in a safe place, I wouldn't object to that too much. So the person's walking outside, they're alone. Um, they're not likely to pass that on to someone else. Now, you're crossing their path. They should move to the side or you should move to the side or put on masks. When I go out and I'm walking my dog, I just usually start with the mask. But if I don't see anybody after a while, I'll take it off for a while. If I see anybody, I'll put my mask on. Um, so it, it's it's a legitimate thing for him to say. But if you could say it without saying it loud, you might have been too close to him. Well, and it's a courtesy as well, right? You're passing another person who's concerned about their health. Like, just be polite and put your mask on. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's take another call. The phone lines are lighting up. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Hello. I'm a frequent caller. You probably remember me. I just want to say thank you again for the wonderful show. I want to let you guys know I heard the previous caller. I was at the Coyote Dam yesterday, and I counted 50 people. I was the only one wearing a mask. I truly believe that people have given up on the mask wearing. There is no getting it back because they took the you've got to have a mask on sign down from the lake. Um, And that we just need to help our community right now as best we can and uh, put our mask on and also be out there helping in the community because we're really going to see some hard times because that. And um, I just want to ask if you guys can encourage at the lake to be wearing masks. And thank you very much. All right. Thanks for that. Thank you for those comments. Uh, That's very true. People should be. I don't know if you were saying that the people you saw at Coyote Dam were walking alone and there's plenty of distance between them uh, or if they were, you know, in a a, uh, uh, gathering and they were not wearing masks. It's definitely a no, no. Um, but no, I think, uh, knowing that the, the sign is down, we should, we should get somebody on putting that sign back up and, um, and yes, keep spreading it around. We need to be wearing masks everywhere we go. If we can spread it around so we don't spread it around. Let's take our next call. Good afternoon. Caller, you're live on the air. Oh, hi. Um, I have a question about, uh, getting uh, COVID tested in the county. I live in Anderson Valley. And uh, in Anderson Valley, I could used to get it at the AV clinic by the high school, and I heard that's closing up. So I'm wondering, is that true, or is that a rumor, or can I still get COVID testing in Anderson Valley? And if so, how long? And then also, if my um, family is coming to get together, is there a rapid COVID test we could all do by mail? And what do you think about that before a family that's not in someone's uh, immediate zone? How, what's the safest way for them to get together? I'll take my answer off the line. Thank you. So first of all, I haven't heard that Anderson Valley is closing or that they're losing their, their ability to test for COVID. So that's news to me. Uh, they they uh, should be getting the new rapid test at Anderson Valley Clinic. 
and they should be able to do the uh, PCR test, but they'll be probably mailing them away. So I, I, Becky, are you aware that they're? I would expect they're probably referring to the UCSF program that they've been using over in Anderson Valley. And that program is coming to a close November 15th. And we are working with the state to try and find alternatives and what that will look like. Uh, and I know that there's other testing options that, that uh, Dr. Korn, you've been working with the, the clinics to try and look at. So we are going to, we're making every effort, let's put it that way, to replace the uh, UCSF tests before UCSF test runs out. Uh, and we're very hopeful that there won't be any lag. There may be a little bit of a lag of a week or so, uh, but hopefully that will be that will be um, uh, possible to do. As far as your family getting together, that does present a problem. Uh, I'm presuming that you're saying the family's getting together from different parts, so they're not in the same household. And that is a uh, that's a gathering. You're mixing mixing people who may have germs. Um, you know, the safest thing is to make sure that if they have any symptoms, they get tested before they even come. So that would be in their own communities. If they're positive or if they have symptoms, they shouldn't come. So this is a hard thing to tell family. If you have symptoms, let's protect each other. Don't come. Um, and if they don't have symptoms and they can't get tested, uh, the best thing that I can recommend is if you're together, try and make it outside where there's plenty of ventilation. You wear masks. You keep your social distance. I know it's really hard, especially with family members after you haven't seen them in a long time, uh, but that is the way to keep each other safe. Uh, it, are there rapid tests at this point? Uh, at this point, the rapid tests that we're doing are for symptoms only. So again, if your family has symptoms, they should stay home. Um, and if you have symptoms at your home, you should tell them the party's off. Uh, but the rapid tests are not being used for uh, screening or surveillance at this point. All right, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Uh, is this me? Yep, this is you. Um, okay, hi. Um, I heard a really great argument about those who say it's their freedom to not wear a mask. And the, the person said, the same as we all are all free to drink alcohol, but our freedom to do that ends when we get in an automobile because we may harm not only ourselves but other people and that's i feel the same way about wearing masks is our it is our freedom to not wear a mask but that freedom ends when i'm out in public when i'm walking down the street anywhere that i'm going to be around anybody else and uh anyway it was just a really good way of talking to people so thank you for the uh, information and i really appreciate you staying on top of this Thank you for the contribution. That's a, that's a very good point. You know, whenever the society tries to restrict what people do, um, there's pushback. So I remember helmets for motorcycle riders, seat belts for everybody riding in a car. Uh, but it, it saves the lives of many, many people. And the same thing is true with wearing a mask. But thanks for your comment. Yeah, it's a good, it's an apt metaphor. Uh, we do have another call. Uh, this is KZYX. It's the local coronavirus update with Dr. Andy Corin, our county's public health officer. And good afternoon, caller. You are live on the air. Hello. I have a question, <clears throat> excuse me, about, um, I live on the, um, the north, um, 
the north part of the county on the coast. I'm curious about um, what kind of checks and surveillance and assistance are going to the homeless population in light of the fact um, it's getting cold at night. It's only going to get colder coming up. And just wanted to hear what what's going on about that. I'm going to hang up now, and thank you, guys. You want to uh, take a stab at that, Becky? Sure. So we do have shelters on the coast and inland. There is the Mendocino Coast uh, Hospitality Center, uh, and they have the shelter over on the coast, which I believe is where this caller was from. And then we also have Building Bridges Shelter uh, operating in the Ukiah area. Both shelters have been operating throughout our response in the pandemic, and we have worked closely with them to ensure that they are taking the appropriate precautions for COVID, including uh, the PPE and screenings and uh, making sure that they have appropriate distancing in their shelters and working really diligently with them on those efforts. And they've done a phenomenal job. All right. Should we take a, another call? All right, let's take another call. Good afternoon, Hello. caller. You are live on the air. Hello. Uh, is this that's Am you? I on the air? You are on the air. Go uh, ahead. I, I have two um, things to say. One was a suggestion that worked. I found a friend told me that if you only breathe through your nose when you're wearing a mask, it's much easier on you. You don't get the hot air and feel so choked. And the other is a serious question. A friend of mine told me, that she's been washing her paper disposable masks <clears throat> before reusing them. And I just was concerned about the safety of that. So let me ask, uh, say something about the first one, which is breathing through your nose to make it a little bit more comfortable. <clears throat> That's fine. Be sure that the mask covers the nose. There's a lot of people who walk around and they don't have it over their nose and they're breathing through their nose. Well, they're still spreading germs to the rest of the community. So make sure you're, you're covering the nose. Another thing I would say is that uh, for people who have comfort issues with their mask, um, my wife just ordered and, and got a little uh, plastic piece that goes over her nose. It's not a full plastic thing. It's just like a little frame that holds the mask away from just her nose and her mouth. And it is actually much more comfortable. It, does, it doesn't pull it away from the cheeks. So there's a number of things being devised to make these masks a little more comfortable. Comfort is an issue. Um, um, so that's good. Thank you for your for your contribution there. And then the other thing is washing paper masks. You know, it depends on the masks and the instructions. But yes, uh, many masks can be uh, washed and they still retain their protective uh, ability. Um, the, the cloth masks should certainly be washed on a regular basis. They're actually recommending uh, every day so that, you know, if you're breathing into it every day, you're accumulating some, some germs on the inside and uh, it loses its effectiveness and flipping it over, although it may sound good, then you're just breathing those germs back out in the community and you're, you're, you're undermining the whole efficacy of the, of the, um, of the mask. But, you know, if your friend is washing the paper mask and uh, he or she has found uh, after checking online or with the manufacturer that, that it's a recommendation, Usually there's a limited number of times you can wash any mask before it loses its efficacy. So I would just say to, to check with the manufacturer about that. 
All right. And we have one more call. um, And then I'd like to just wrap up with some advice about Halloween. So let's go ahead and take this last call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on KZYX. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. My call is about, um, my question is about mileage. Is there a recommended mileage uh, that we should limit ourselves when we're in the red tier? And if we're, does that allow us to, let's say, drive to like SFO that might be in the orange tier and get on a plane? Or is this, how, how's, how's that going to work? How does that look? Thank you. So you saved the, the hardest question for last. That's okay. We'll deal with that. Um, so first of all, traveling uh, restrictions have never been a mandate or a rule, but recommendations when we were back in the spring and summer. Um, so you can travel what you, wherever you want to travel. If you're going to a, um, a community that is in, uh, has more prevalence of the infection, let's say somebody who's in, in a purple tier, you're going from here to uh, another community that's in the purple tier, um, be sure you're wearing your mask, uh, keep your social distance, maintain your hygiene with cleaning and that sort of thing. It is more of a risk. Stay outdoors as much as you can. The big rooms that there are in airports usually have pretty decent circulation. It's an unavoidable risk that you take, and you want to minimize that risk as much as you can. If you're going to a lower tier uh, community, then I would say to wear the mask also, because then you're going to be protecting the people around you and uh, and helping them maintain uh, their, uh, their positivity rate at the lowest weight rate possible. The travel is tricky. And... Um, you know, calling ahead to the airport is a good way to find out. There are also travel advisories that uh, that are online, and you can check that to see. Um, make sure that when you get on an airplane, if you're getting, I'm assuming you're getting on an airplane, that the airplane has all of the COVID precautions, and uh, and they should be advertising that there should be a minimum number of people on the plane, plenty of ventilation. You're you're spaced out with uh, you know from your your uh, seatmates. And uh, there's plenty of um, towelettes around. You're, you're maintaining hygiene, and everybody should be masked. That's a closed environment, and, uh, and it'll be very easy to pass the germs around. Last week, you were talking about meeting with the other purple counties. And now, uh, of course, we're no longer a purple county. So are you? have you said farewell to the other purple counties, or have some of them no. also joined the red tier with us? But the subsequent meeting was this afternoon, so I really just couldn't make it, or I would have said something nicer to them, or I would have ducked because they probably yell at this point of our community. Right. No, I, I think that's fine. I mean, they're they're coming along. My biggest concern, California-wide, is um, Southern California is really seeing a surge, and of course, the Midwest is seeing a surge big time, and Europe is seeing surges big time. So yeah. we are not out of the woods. We are, we're in a red. What was it, uh, 90,000 cases in the United States? I mean, or at least very, very close to 90,000. Unbelievably high numbers of positive, of positive cases. Yeah. We can't yeah. be insulated from that, can we? I mean, we've got, we're feeling, you know, kind of jokingly good about being in the red tier, but that's that does not bode well, does it? Red, red tier is still substantial existence of germs in the community. So we're not escaping. The concern is what will happen within our community now that we have gatherings, it's colder weather, people be indoors, and having opened up some indoor activities, 
whether that'll spread it more. So more important to maintain distance, use the mask, wash the hands. I feel like a broken record, but you know what? Those are the tools we have. Well, and I feel like a broken record asking this question, but it seems obvious that since we're doing well, shouldn't we just keep on the course and not open up anymore? I mean, I know there's a lot of pressure to to open up because life is miserable, but uh, it could be worse if we open up and, and the numbers start rising again. You know, not opening up has been, or being closed, let's put it in the positive, being closed has been very difficult for some and horribly difficult for others. And a lot of that has to do with disparities. If you can't eat and your family can't eat because you're living hand to mouth and it depends on a job, it's really good to have some opening where you can go into work. You know, so, so think about it that way. This is a big step, and it's a big step for many, many people. It's not just the store owners, but the people that they employ. And for the schools, sure. all the kids that are you know, not doing well and disparities you know, within those schools, uh, there's an attempt to begin to get back on track. Very important. Well, and this conversation continues and continues and continues as it has for so many months now. Um, I'm going to just ask you to say one word about Halloween as we sign off here for the Halloween weekend. Hey, well, Halloween this year is not going to be like Halloween in past years, but we do want it to be happy for the kiddies. Uh, so decorating inside like pumpkins and, and dressing up and decorating outside your house and walking children around the neighborhood to see what other people have done for decorations and telling stories is great. Um, also cooking special dishes. Um, the, uh, the trick or treating that we used to have door to door, uh, um, uh, increases the risk of congregating on the doorsteps and mixing, uh, mixing households and increasing transmission. The same thing for trunk or treating. So those kinds of activities we really want to avoid. There have been Halloween parties in the past. Good idea. Do them virtually. There's, you know, dances and other kinds of things. Do it over the, over the computer. Do it virtually. And the same thing is true for uh, those people who observe Dia de los Muertos. Um, uh, there's decorations that can happen. There's special meals. There's remembrances of the people who have died. Uh, you know, one recommendation is, is to make a, a really nice plate and uh, safely pass it around to neighbors or other family members as part of the celebration. But try and make it happy. Enjoy it. But do it differently. It's COVID. We want to not suffer for, you know, a, a day's enjoyment. All right. Great advice. And with that, we will say goodbye for the week. Thank you so much to Becky Emery, to Sarah Duquette, and to Dr. Andy Corin for bringing us the, the latest uh, on the county's response to the COVID pandemic. We really, really appreciate the information. It, it's so incredibly helpful. And we'll see you next week at 3 o'clock. Actually, you know, we'll listen to you next week at 2 o'clock on Friday, and we will be back in conversation with our call-in Q&A at 3 o'clock. Okay. All right. Happy Sounds Halloween. Good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for our live coronavirus update today, our local coronavirus update here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales. I'll be back with you for more COVID information, local co coronavirus update on Monday with Dr. Drew Colfax, who will be back to answer your questions at 3 o'clock on Monday afternoon from 3 to 3.30.
So for now, have a great Friday evening, everyone, and a wonderful weekend. I'll be back with you Monday, like I said, for the coronavirus update, and then Tuesday for election coverage all day long. So uh, have a great weekend. Have lots of fun. Get lots of rest if you need it. And um, yeah. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.